Hey everybody, guess who's back? Welcome to the first draft of the Entitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFF, Eric Marchin. Hi! I'm Eric. What's up, buddy? I'm good. How are you? It's it's a, it's a Friday. We're 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 free flowing here. We should mention uh, to people that are listening that this is a work in progress. We don't really know the structure yet. We're going to be talking about movies, obviously, um, some movie news, uh, stuff that's interesting that's going on maybe in our lives. Not too personal now, but just a little bit to kind of get you interested in what we're doing and what we have been doing since the last movie podcast, uh, which was back in 2014 yes you mentioned this before we started recording that was for captain america the winter soldier back when i was running movie night and we did the movie monarchy podcast yes um yeah i mean as you can even tell by the the title of the podcast the untitled movie podcast we put very little effort into coming up with anything when it came to this like Uh, anything on the internet no yeah we have no structure we don't really even know what the hell we're going to talk about but um the premise is that i loved doing the podcast with you before i think same with you and I mean, we talk, we literally, we see movies together all the time. We've reviewed movies. We've go to screenings together. We talk about movies. And we spent here, five so. hours scheduling our TIFF plans together yeah. uh, earlier this week. So yeah, like this is like perfect for us in terms of a forum to just have a conversation about film. And yeah, we know there's probably like thousands and thousands of other podcasts you could be listening to. But we appreciate you listening to us, especially both of our moms, who are probably our only listeners. So shout out to Ann and Bev. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, we talk about movies all the time, so we thought we might as well record it again and start doing it. So yeah, as an update, I mean, since the last time uh, we recorded anything, I mean, I kind of um, left film criticism behind and and started working kind of in the uh, social media marketing space. I mean, um, the main reason why we kind of shut down the podcast before was because I took a job with Show Me, the streaming service. I worked there. What? What was that? Yeah, I know. R.I.P. Pour one out for Show Me. Um, (laughs) I worked at Show Me for the two years it existed, um, or yeah, two years, and then um, doing marketing. And then I started working in um, entertainment marketing, and I moved over to uh, Rogers Communications, um, which uh, you're very familiar with. You host a show on Rogers TV during sure Cinema Scene. Everybody go watch it if you're uh, kind of in Ontario. or Well, Canada it does stream even. online as well there when the show is actually airing. So you can watch the show on the website, which is rogerstv.com slash cinema scene. Anywhere you can be anywhere. You can you it. can be in Australia <laughs> and and still watch well, it. I don't know if anyone would want to do that. How um, dare you? You're but, on the show. I know. I'm kidding. I love it. <laughs> um. So yeah, I worked in marketing for a couple of years, and then uh, recently I left my position at Rogers because I kind of missed doing this, and uh, I missed writing movie reviews. I missed writing in general. I missed kind of being excited about what I was doing uh, to be completely transparent so um, I'm just thrilled to kind of I've been going to screenings the last couple weeks TIFF is you haven't liked anything uh, this is true I'm embargoed (laughs) on a lot of it but we'll talk about one of the movies later today but um, I've had a I've had a blast the last couple of weeks going to screenings and, and TIFF is ramping up. As you mentioned the other day, we spent like five hours or more. You were here for seven hours, but I think yeah. we spent five of it eating an entire pizza each. And, yes. <laughs> and then uh, building our TIFF schedules. Shout out to Tiffer. Everyone go to Tiffer.com. And they're finally their... working with TIFF this year in tandem. Yeah. So um, God bless them or else I'd be, it would, I remember the old days of having to, pencil and paper um the schedule i sound like i'm 100 years old but i'm i remember when we've only been doing tiff a decade or so but like um 
it, it Tiffer, we spent five hours kind of tinkering with it. I've tinkered with my schedule a little bit more since then. I know you have too. So we probably have something to talk about there when we talk about Tiff later. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just, I'm so excited for Tiff. Uh, we're recording on August 24th right now. So Tiff is three weeks away, two weeks away. It feels um, like it's tomorrow. Oh, like it's, it's like a week and a half. Well, technically, I mean, it? it has already started for yeah. us in the sense that we are going to pre-screenings, which we can't talk about at this moment no, because we are embargoed. most of them are, are all, well, yeah. they're all embargoed. Well, they're embargoed. Like, there's some movies that, um, for Canadian press that are films that played at both Sundance and Cannes, but I think you still have to respect the embargo for seeing them uh, before TIFF. Yes. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I've signed embargoes on mostly everything I've seen. I've only seen one TIFF film so far. You've seen two. Two. Um, the rest of them are movies that are coming out kind of around TIFF, but they've screened them early for us, but I'm embargoed on a couple of those. But we will talk about The Happy Time Murders, which we both saw. Yes. That comes out uh, today. The best August. late August movie you could ask no, for. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, we have no idea what this is really going to be. We just kind of are going to shoot the shit and, and talk movies, and each week we'll probably have a topic of the week and a couple news stories that we probably want to go over and uh some things like that so um yeah i have no idea where to go here where do you want to start man well we should also say that we'll we'll find some sort of structure that works as we go along but i think part of the fun is 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 as we move forward we together as as the people are listening as well we'll we'll figure it out and if you ever want to contact us and let us know you know what you would like to hear more of or less of please feel free to um probably we tweet us yeah we have we have a twitter account matt what's that twitter it's account untitled underscore cast and we even have an instagram yeah, account we do, which is untitled movie cast i couldn't get the, this is the annoying thing about starting a podcast everyone uh we you can go to untitled movie podcast.com and probably see everything and there'll be links to everything and that's where you can find new episodes you can probably find this on itunes and other podcast services be patient with us i'm figuring this all out again uh trying to get it up everywhere if it's Um, not on spotify it's not uh, worth it yeah uh no it's very hard to get on spotify but um i hope to get up on uh as as many podcast services as we possibly can but uh yeah untitledmoviepodcast.com will have all the episodes it'll all have links to all of our social channels where you can kind of uh where you can contact us it'll be the our main handle for both of us but you can also send me a a a tweet at, at Matt Rohrbeck and you're at EM6211. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I won't respond though. No. And uh, we appreciate it. We know it'll probably start small and we'll have a few people listening and probably not grow. From Our moms. There, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, I enjoy doing it anyway. And I, I who knows? I, I appreciate everyone who's listening right now. And yeah, send us a tweet and let us know what you want us to kind of talk about or if you want a certain feature every week or yeah, we're going to figure this out and the uh, structure will come as, as, as time passes. But uh, I'm just kind of in, enjoying uh, shooting the shit with Eric here. Um, I think so, that should be the title of our show. Uh, untitled, man. Uh, so, Eric, I just wanted to kick off. Like, what have you been watching lately? I know you said we're um, you're embargoed for a few TIFF movies. Yeah. So am I. But have you been watching anything at home, streaming anything? Um, There's been a couple of things. I mean, right now we're, as, as you're saying, we're getting closer and closer to TIFF. So a lot of my priority screenings and, and sort of doing research and getting ready um, – are for films that are going to either be playing during the festival or even opening maybe possibly as the festival progresses. Um, but I did rewatch the other day cause I finally got my, uh, uh, shout factory select copy of wild at heart. Uh, the David Lynch movie from 1990. That was his follow up to blue velvet. Very nice. And it still is a very pulpy, 
uh, funny, weird, uh, surreal fairy tale adventure that obviously is paying a lot of tribute to uh, The Wizard of Oz. And I think it's one of uh, Nick Cage and Laura Dern's best performances. Yeah, I mean, I watched it for the first time last year, which is uh, which is crazy because yeah. if people don't know who haven't listened to the the, the previous podcast, you are a Nicolas Cage aficionado. I, I I wouldn't say aficionado, but I, I love the man, and um, it's, it's I, yeah. Race. David Lynch was one of those weird things until I started watching Twin Peaks because um, I recommended couple, it to you because yeah. you love Lost. Yes, and um. I knew of Twin Peaks and I always had wanted to watch it, but I think when that Blu-ray collection came out a few years ago, um, uh, it was so beautiful. I was like, I should just pick this up and watch it. And I, I picked that up, finally watched Twin Peaks, uh, became obsessed and uh, started watching Lynch's filmography because I hadn't really seen any of it um, really. So I went through his entire filmography last year. Um, but Wild at Heart wasn't out on Blu-ray here, was it? No, or? well, it did have a uh, limited edition print through uh, Twilight Time. Okay. Uh, which is um, a, a lot of the Sony stuff gets released there. So, like, uh, Christine, John Carpenter's Christine, Fright Night still doesn't have a traditional Blu-ray release in North America. Uh, you have to pick it up through either Twilight Time or uh, a Region 2 or Region 3 uh, Blu-ray. So, um, yeah, it didn't have a, a, a traditional Blu-ray release until uh, this month. I, I, how's it look? It looks great. I mean, it's shout can be hit or miss, but the special features are excellent. Um, it's still as weird as ever. Uh, I, I rewatched it a couple years ago because there was a Lynch retrospective as well, and I had the DVD. Um, but it's just nice to to add it to the Blu-ray collection at long last. And there's stuff in there that I had forgotten about, like with Willem Dafoe's character mm-hmm. and how slimy it is, and it is. Really, really violent, but he undercuts it. And this was one of Roger Ebert's problems with with the film is that he undercuts it with comedy, and sometimes that can be off putting to people. But I think it it works for the genre in which it's in. Yeah, um, the fate of that character is very. Uh, <laughs> it's Looney Tunes esque, but it, it's great. It is really, really good. Um, yeah, I loved it. Wild at Heart's amazing. Um, what what about, I? What about you, Matt? What have, um, What have you been watching? Oddly enough. Um, what have I been watching? Uh, I'm on the fifth season of Breaking Bad on a rewatch. <laughs> I've rewatched four seasons of Breaking Bad. If, if Again, I mentioned this earlier in the show. I'm off work other than freelancing right now. Um, so I've been kind of chilling at home, and um, I've I caught up on Better Call Saul, um, and I became obsessed with that, and I, I finished the, the third season and the fourth season is airing on AMC right now, but I'm, I'm caught up, so I have weak gaps in between new episodes of better call saul so i thought okay um the one thing i love about better call saul is that they um each season begins i I know you're not a huge fan of breaking bad or or better call saul but each season of better call saul begins with kind of a black and white look into uh the future of saul goodman like post breaking bad but then the rest of the show takes place pre-breaking bad so that's the framing device yeah of each season there's like a he's a cinnabon manager in omaha nebraska and he's hiding away and he's always kind of um um, worried about someone finding him essentially so then that made me go oh you know what i would really love to go back and watch breaking bad now with the context of better call saul because a lot of characters from breaking bad show up in better call saul uh with um uh, gus fring and mike ermintrout 
and uh, um, things like that. So I started Breaking Bad again, and it's available on 4K on Netflix. Both uh, both shows are, and I don't think they're even available on 4K on disc. No, the, um, the blu there's Blu-rays. Though. Yeah, yeah, but no 4K Blu-rays. No. So um, I was like, oh, I have this gorgeous 4K TV. I should rewatch Breaking Bad. So I'm I've powered through four seasons in like oh, two weeks. And um, really enjoying it again the second time, I think, even more. And now you're a mess dealer. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not working, so I might have to be. But um, freelancing doesn't pay that much. <laughs> um, so I have to deal meth. Um, no, but I, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm noticing more and just the the world building that they did in both shows. And, and how, I mean, Vince Gilligan and, oh God, the other guy who created... Saul Goodman, who's the show, one of the showrunners on Better Call Saul. I'm forgetting his name. Well, you do have a computer. Peter Gould. I don't want to. Uh, Peter Gould, I think, is his name. Right. Um, and uh, just the world building that they do and how they bring these backstories to these characters and everything. F- these puzzle pieces fit really well together. And Walter White's such a fucking asshole and just ruins everyone's life. And um, I, I, I enjoy Hank way more this time, played by um, Dean Norris. And like. He was such a kind of like he's still kind of like a little bit of a dirtbag, but he's just doing his job, and his fate is so heartbreaking. And I I remember hating Skyler the first time around, but then I'm just like, and you kind of cheered for Walt, in right? Because and like, he's the bad guy. Where you oh look God, at, he's at the Hank villain, and Skyler, yeah. they're they're the good people, but yet there's something about them that makes them foils that you like to hate right and i I mean skylar eventually does kind of join walt into kind of breaking the law not to the extremes that he does but hank is by the books like he's he's just trying to find who's dealing meth he's doing his job he's doing his job and and it's it's i don't know like i I, i've just really enjoyed rewatching this and seeing how it connects back to um better call Saul. so i've been watching a lot of that i know it's not a movie but um, well, I mean, it kind. I mean, TV is is the is the place for long form narratives now, and I mean, you know, we're we're quote unquote. St- are we still in the golden age of television, or is that just have oh, we moved on like now? A year or two ago, now I feel like I mean, we could go in like into Netflix and their films and their movie strategy and and their TV strategy and and almost quantity over quality Quality, yeah so i wouldn't even necessarily it's the golden age it's just that anymore but like there are lots of great shows in there and on amc and on fx and on netflix and on amazon and 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 things like that like you brought over the the uh 4k set of um jack jack ryan yes and there's a new jack i I got it really only for the hunt for red october (laughs) just that which is is my favorite one of those well i'm a collector i mean that's the other thing i i believe wholeheartedly in uh, physical media and i'm also obsessed with you know making sure it comes with the slip cover and it's it's a thing it's it's that's a whole podcast into itself but then there's the new jack ryan show on on amazon and i mean um my problem lately and it's weird that i'm going back and rewatching. i have so much backlog on netflix whether it's their movies or their shows or things like that and then i'm going and rewatching breaking bad or i watch episodes of brooklyn 99 or uh or the office or or parks and rec just michael sure shows yeah 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 um but it's the good place too yeah i know i know and um it's weird that i just keep revisiting these things and it's almost overwhelming like it has this opposite effect to me where i'm like it sure it's the golden age of tv and there's a lot of amazing shows out there but i'm almost overwhelmed by the amount of good shows or just shows in general to the point where i'd never know where to start and i never know i just if you could finish it i feel like i like 
there like you said it perfectly with the word overwhelmed i i feel like when you when you see like oh you know netflix has released a tv show and two uh, films, it's like, well, I'll, I'll get to it, but I've, I still have to watch, you know, the four other things that they've released, well, and that's just them. And that's their problem with every week they do that. So yeah. you get a new series and two movies basically every single week, and that's great. And and I think Netflix knows that they're they're trying to make something for everyone. So obviously, not everything is going to be for me or you. And like the ranch isn't made for probably our sensibilities and our likes but there's someone out there that likes the ranch or whatever schlocky kind of show or movie they put out. adam sandler films yeah adam sandler movies but then he's also in the noah bomback movie and is excellent in that yeah also a netflix film and like so it's, it's really interesting their strategy and just kind of i don't want to call it a dumping ground but they just put so much out all the time that like I mean, you're bound to find something that's great. So. As long as it doesn't get lost in all that quantity that's being produced and bought and released. Like, I feel that there are small, you know, Sundance films from just this year even that, you know, that I wanted to watch that I haven't had time. Like, there's one called First Match, and, and, and it kind of feels like, okay, I'll get to it, but then, you know, there's... 30 other things that come out in in a week or two weeks and then you kind of forget about the thing that you wanted to watch and then you go back to something that you've already seen because it's comforting yeah exactly even though it's depressing as hell like breaking bad yeah or something like that and I, I think that's what's fascinating and i mean we we've countless times been sitting on my couch and we just kind of scroll through netflix or watch movie trailers or something well, that's like the other that. thing you scroll through and, yeah, it half the time then, to find something so we something. made a joke we went through and we're looking at my list on netflix and you, i think you add more things to your list than you end up actually even well obviously watching but um or will ever watch but um the backlog of netflix films that were on there and we kind of were laughing and i know we were we were heading to a screening a couple weeks ago and we we were talking about jason siegel and then <laughs> we were doing some research of being like what the hell has jason siegel been in lately other than he was in that Netflix film. Um, Come Sunday? No, no, that's the one we found out that was a Oh, real The Discovery. Thing. The Discovery. Yeah, which the Charlie watched, McDowell movie. Yeah. Which wasn't great, but I mean, no. he, um, uh, interesting premise, but it, it didn't quite work. And then when we were looking that up, we're like, what the hell is Come Sunday? And then we like looked up that and then realized it was a Netflix movie that came out in May that I had. I think no, it was April. Or I think, April yeah, or May, yeah. and and we had no idea it existed. And it had Jason Siegel, Chiwetel Ejiofor, yeah. Martin Sheen, uh, and it played at Sundance as well. And it kind of just flew under the radar. And uh, yeah, like it just it's there's just too much content and it's just not and it's not just netflix i feel like we're just you know singling no we're not i'm not shitting on netflix either that's literally all i watch like i you talked about physical media i'm apple itunes netflix like 4k my apple tv 4k is my baby and i have so much stuff on that but uh anyways i I love netflix i'm not shitting on them at all like i just think it's fascinating their strategy almost of and the money they spend making this stuff too bright guys bright oh god yeah i didn't even i got like three quarters of the way through bright with um i couldn't finish it did you end up finishing i it? did yeah i saw it in one yeah, sitting yeah. see that's the other thing where people pause yeah, things or you and just then shut them go, off but, yeah, right? yeah like if it like i couldn't make it through bright where if i saw bright in a theater i probably would have stayed well you would have gone it. to the bathroom at one point let's be honest oh yeah yeah um but yeah it's it, it is fascinating man i i um I don't know if we're in the golden age of TV, but um, we're in the golden age of something. So, um, but yeah. Well, of accessibility, like everything is available to you. I mean, even, and I'm sure this has been talked about at length and, and, and more 
articulately, but it, it does feel like the window for the theatrical release now is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and that there's even too much that is being released, whether it be, you know, the, the, the latest blockbuster or a new indie that, you know, the quality might be there, but it will be released on on iTunes in less than a month or, or two months. Yeah, I'm already seeing things that I missed when I went on vacation in June, like Tag and Rampage and stuff like that that's already on uh, iTunes or Rampage was before that, but I just skipped it. It was April, but yeah. Like, um, but, yeah, the windows are getting shorter and shorter. I mean, I mean, talking about Netflix, like, I mean, we're going to talk about TIFF later. I mean, we can talk a little bit now, but they have the opening night film of the Toronto International Film Festival. Which is huge. I mean, and it's also, I think it's also a bit of a statement because of what happened at Cannes this year, uh, refusing to have any of uh, Netflix's uh, content play in the competition because they apparently did want uh, Alfonso Cuaron's Roma, which is playing uh, at TIFF. But they said, oh, we don't want to have it in competition because I believe it's something to do with the theatrical uh, release strategy of, of Netflix films versus uh, actually going to the theaters. Right, because Roma will be playing in select theaters. Yeah. But um, the can thing was that it has to be exclusive to French cinemas, I think, for a certain amount of time um, before it would be on on a streaming service. And 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 Netflix is just they've. I mean, unlike Amazon, who actually does kind of um, follow that uh, theatrical window for for at least a little while before their movies go on their service, but. Uh, Netflix is like, nope, it's day and date on Netflix and certain films will be available in theaters like uh, Okja was and right. um, a, a few other things last year. Yeah, and, and we should also clarify that uh, the Netflix film that is playing or opening the festival is Outlaw King. Yeah, directed yes. by David McKenzie, who lasted Hell or High Water. Um, which is a fucking phenomenal movie. You which also starred that. Chris Pine, and Chris yeah. Pine is now playing Robert the Bruce with a Scottish accent, so he's which, gone from Captain Kirk to Scotty. Did you notice in the trailer that they don't have him speak that much? Or was well, they do, me? but they kind but of like... have him speak in, in that kind of trailer talk where it's all one-liners mm -hmm. that are kind of like epic moments of you know going into battle, but we're not hearing actual conversations uh, that he's having with other characters or dialogue um, that would just maybe be uh, more casual. So I think that's going to be kind of interesting to see if he can pull that off. Um, it looks like a big epic, obviously, you know, in, in, in the vein of, of the success of something like Game of Thrones. I think people would be interested to see uh, how that'll go. And it's the continuing story uh, after sort of after William Wallace, Robert the Bruce kind of led the crusade for Scottish independence. So we'll we'll definitely see if it's an edgy period piece that's filled with violence and action and maybe it'll have some substance. I know you're not the biggest period piece fan. So. It depends on the period right. and the piece. Um, but yeah, mostly like, I mean, this is really close-minded and things like that. But like if it's like, I have this weird thing that I need to uh, kind of be more open about things that, happened before i was born or even before the 1980s or 1970s like i feel like once you get further and further down i'm like less interested for some for some reason and um but i mostly when i talk about i don't like period pieces it's like those british kind of like uh, uh the ones where they're drinking tea all the yeah, time and, and yeah and i don't know i just uh i'm open to them if they're good right um where i actually do like period pieces I know. yeah yes. i'm just a asshole 
Um, what else have I been watching? The other Honest. thing I've been doing is I want to give a shout out to a podcast that I love, um, uh, the Kind of Funny uh, crew. I've been following along with them. Um, they're doing kind of an in review series, which is a, a podcast that I listen to. So they first did the MCU in review where they reviewed every Marvel movie uh, and ranked them leading up to Infinity War. So I followed along with that, which was a while back. And then they moved into uh, the X-Men universe, so um, they started doing XEU in review, so they watched and reviewed every X-Men movie, so I followed along with that. Um, and you actually watch the movies too. I did, yeah. yeah. Every week, I um, I watch the movie and I listen to their podcast. They usually do like an obscene hour and a half, two hour long review of each movie, and they're really funny. I mean, you guys should check them out if uh, once you're done finish or listening to this, obviously. But um, very casual. They're not really um, like movie, like they're not film critics, which is totally fine because it makes it very unpretentious. It's just like a, a bunch of uh, friends shooting the shit and and talking about superhero movies or whatever movies that they're watching. So very funny um very loose um um and uh they end up ranking them at the end of them so they just finished the x-men series so uh deadpool 2 was this week so i rewatched deadpool 2 the other day um half of it with with nevis uh my partner and she hadn't seen it yet so she fell asleep <laughs> then i watched the rest um not that she didn't like it because the next day she was asking me like what happened and I was showing her the X4 scene and, and things like that that I thought were funny that she missed. Um, so yeah, I've been watching all the X-Men movies and then they're moving on to uh, Spider-Man in review, but only the Sony not MCU Spider-Man movies. So everything except for Homecoming essentially. So they're going to review all the, the Raimi same Raimi ones yeah. as well as the Mark Webb ones. And then they're also going to do Venom and into the Spider-Verse when they come out. So I think this will lead into Venom and then they'll eventually do Spider-Verse in December. But will um, Venom lead into Spider-Man Homecoming or the Spider-MCU well, universe? Well, that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, right now we we, we believe that it's not going to, yeah. right? From everything that Sony has said and Marvel has said. But, I mean, they could be doing that for... Because I feel like that movie doesn't look great, but they could save themselves if Tom Holland shows up in the movie in like a post credit scene. It's like a turd in the a, wind. God, that trailer is so bad. Every trailer, they've been like seven trailers for that movie, and they all look bad. Yeah, well, um, it's and and you actually brought this up because you're more of a comic book guy than I am, and you have the knowledge and 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 understanding of the characters. To me, it doesn't make sense that it's Eddie Brock and Eddie Brock not being a part of the Spider-Man canon. Mm -hmm. you, you've mentioned that there are other versions of Venom that they could have used as well. Yeah, there's one called uh, Agent Venom, which was a Flash Thompson, but that gets weird because of the MCU and right. um, and and our boy from Grand Budapest, uh, Tony Ravioli. Um, sorry, that's a bad joke, but um, he... I don't think it would quite work with his character either because um, it's an older Flash Thompson who was in the war and his, he loses both of his his legs in the war and um, he ends up give me, get, getting the symbiote. and <laughs> That's how it's pronounced, right? Yeah, uh, as per Jenny Slate. Um, and he ends up becoming like a Agent Venom and is used with the, like, the U.S. government and it's kind of like a spy version of Venom. Like it looks then, almost more like a tech like, suit or something Yeah, like, like if that. he would be working for S.H.I.E.L.D. or something right. like that, right? Like imagine Venom in this like kind of very slick kind of covert um, ops covert, like um suit and with a uh, an assault rifle but then the odd time he breaks out into that big hulking venom that we see in the trailer and in the comics and things like that so that's kind of a i could have seen an interesting kind of spy 
angle kind of different superhero movie to it that like that could have possibly worked um if you're going to do something completely separate from the mcu and then if you were going to do a venom thing i would have just preferred if they would have just cast someone and had him as a main villain in, in one of the MCU Spider-Man movies because, as we saw, I'm going to watch Spider-Man 3 pretty soon in, in two weeks, I guess, to kind of see that shit show again because I haven't watched that. Topher Grace is in and it as Venom and the, Eddie Brock star of Black Klansman. Yeah, the, yeah, the 4K set was on sale on iTunes, so I picked that up for this, uh, uh, which had all the Spider-Man movies. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know. The Agent Venom thing could have worked, and that's what I thought the angle would have been, especially with Tom Hardy, who probably could have done that pretty well because he talked about being in that Siphon Filter movie or no Splinter Cell. Cell. Yeah, the Tom Clancy. Um, yeah, and like game. so, yeah. that could have been like a cool mix of that and the Venom character, right? So I, I thought that's the angle that they were gonna do, but like everything seems so off. Like everyone talks weird, like with the symbiote thing, and then he talks like he's. A mumbling Christopher Walken kind of thing with a like, kind of like I guess Brooklyn, New York yeah like Brooklyn accent or something or New York accent people wear wigs Michelle Williams and then Riz Ahmed seems to be engineering his own suit and there's been mentioned that uh, Woody Harrelson although it hasn't been confirmed or denied well, Cletus Cassidy yeah and, Carnage um, but but the thing that's most confusing or or strange for me is that they haven't been upfront to whether or not this will fit into uh, the Spider-Man universe down the line or the MCU, which tonally might not make a lot of sense if they decide to go for an R-rated version of this because it does look a lot darker. But I did they confirm recently that it's PG-13? So, yeah, okay. well, not confirmed, but the rumor was that they're moving away from the R-rating because they want it to possibly tie into the MCU and Marvel won't let them do that if it's like a hyper violent r-rated like venom because totally it just wouldn't make any sense right right like, it would be like having which is weird that the the netflix shows going back to netflix are kind of in the mcu but then there's also lots of sex and violence and yeah well and the punisher is just like, like people being shot in the face yeah, and, and, like and very gory yeah and, and it's interesting that that is technically supposed to be part of the mcu so and then we'll see, I mean, God, one of the topics we could talk about, maybe we won't get into it today, is the whole Disney-Fox merger and, and what we're going to see talking about X-Men and, and things like that and how Deadpool specifically is going to move over as well. And right. like, or what's um, going to happen with Dark Phoenix and New Mutants. Yeah, I mean, I there's, mean there's so much. We could do a five-hour podcast over the, what is the four years of news we've missed? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but this is all shit that came out in the last year or so. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it, it's fascinating because, like, I, I really could see them moving. Deadpool's the one thing that I think could work in the sense that, like, they could do those R-rated movies, but then once he's in the Avengers or shows up in other movies, he's either bleeped out or he knows that he has to tone it down and it's part of the shtick. Yeah, and he'll be um, a, he'll be diluted because yeah. he's a part of an ensemble exactly. where it's not focused on him. But I think they'll still let him, depending on what Disney does with the brand and how they're going to split up the fox things and, and r-rated properties that they have with die hard and aliens and and predator a, a predator which, which is, is playing yeah, tip the yeah. predator <laughs> um so it's it's a, a fascinating fascinating thing but um uh, i'm not sure what's gonna happen but yeah anyways, i just hope so, that he's less obnoxious uh yeah i mean <laughs> even watching the second one i i mean i i've come to uh, i i enjoy both of those movies a lot but um he he is a lot and uh, i definitely not for everyone very juvenile 
very um uh kind of stupid and like i don't know i like some of them there are some really funny moments in both deadpool movies and i think i enjoy them overall but they're kind of weird tonally too like even watching the last one with the whole stuff with vanessa and and um and like some of the more serious stuff like doesn't work at all but then some of the stuff where he's just too he's just too much um, right and i kind of found that narrative with the time travel stuff to be a bit of a cop-out at the end of it i won't spoil it because it's you know, it just got released on Blu-ray and 4K. People can, you know, catch up with it now. But where it goes with the time travel uh, aspect at the end in the post credit scenes kind of feels like, well, that whole movie wasn't even necessary. I know, but I think that's part of the shtick, too, right? right? Like, that's part of the joke. It's yeah. like, yeah, we just yeah. erased the whole movie. Like, haha, like, who gives a shit? Like, and it's Deadpool. So and we'll make fun of, really... you know, Green Lantern again and X-Men and... Origins Wolverine. Which are which, funny jokes. Which, which are, but they already did it in the first one a lot so it just feels like they're going back to the well to you know poke fun at it again remember hey remember we we, we talked about it in the first one well we're going to talk about it again so i speaking of that too i had to while well, i rewatched that because it was part of the x-men universe and oh boy it is awful yeah it is really bad i haven't i hadn't watched it since do you remember when um the leaked work print cut came out i sure do i was in college same and uh this is back when i would like pirate movies sometimes and um well you're going to jail uh, yeah i don't anymore um but back then i remember downloading that work print copy it was like two or three months before the movie came out wasn't it yeah like it was a while and i remember watching that work print cut and even then thinking it was bad but even worse because it had unfinished special effects and i don't think i had ever seen it since then so this is the first time i watched it and it's just so weird with like taylor kitsch's gambit and dominic monahan's in it (laughs) well and and will i am as well right yeah well it did feel like they were maybe setting up you know the x-men origins that okay well you know what character is going to be popular based on that and then we'll spin them off into their own, into their origins, own movies yeah. and, and gambit was one of them and <laughs> the blob remember with uh, um another lost alum uh kevin something is yeah he, he he was in Ad, he was, he's in a couple uh adam mcgoyan movies and, and he shows up in canadian films all the time. yeah well he's, he's canadian. canadian yeah, yeah. Okay. he was in robin hood uh, as well right right somebody's um, probably like it's Ke- it's kevin kevin i could look it up but you I'm could look it up because you have it right I'm there gonna, i'll look it up um yeah, man. So been watching the X Men movies and um, a long winded thing, but we uh, I've been watching Breaking Bad and the X Men movies, and then I'm gonna move on to Spider Man before trying to fit in all these kind of screenings before TIFF and different things like that. And during TIFF, we'll just be oh screening God, to yeah. screening. Yeah, I think I had 43 on my schedule. You had 40 something as well. 44, so. 45. I don't know if we'll get to them all, but here's the other thing as well. We run into a lot of people and, and always have a good time talking to them about movies. But you, you also see people and hear conversations where it's like, oh, well, I've already seen 30 films. And, you know, sometimes it's them going into the movie. They watch five minutes of it and yeah. then they walk out when they feel that they've seen enough or they don't care for it anymore. It's like, you got to stick it out. You I gotta... say for me, like I'm, I'm one that I I have counted movies that I've walked out of, but I, I make sure that I've seen enough. Like You give it a half. fair chance. Like, if though. I've seen over half of it and then usually like the quickest I've walked out of a TIFF movie is like maybe 20 minutes or, or half an hour. But I usually don't count that when I'm, you're trying to show how big your TIFF 
thing is, but like, right or how committed uh, you are. Yeah, like hey man, um, I made it through Man Down in the IMAX theater. Yeah, I remember that there, was, shirt. there was that one guy who was sitting in front of us and we were eavesdropping, and, and he's like, "Oh, I've seen yeah, thirty films so far," and it was like day two, and and someone was like, "How?" and he's like, "Well, I watched ten minutes, and if I don't like something, I." I leave and we just like, spoken like a true producer. Fine. I mean, you do you. I mean, yeah. whatever. I understand those kind of people who are there to maybe see a potential uh, purchase or right. something like that. And if it doesn't hook them in the first ten minutes or so, then they're gonna leave, right? They're industry and not and not press or or, yeah. or film lovers per se. I'm, not that they don't love film. I mean, I hope means, they would. To each their own. Everyone enjoyed the festival and enjoyed things how they um, how they want how it. They yeah, kind of want to. So. Um, yeah, man, that's what I've been watching. Um, uh, I'm excited to kind of dive into every week. I kind of see what's on sale on the iTunes store because I'm obsessed with getting 4K stuff on there. And um, um, I'll probably rewatch a few things before the festival. I want to rewatch the three Predator movies that I considered actual Predator movies, not AVP. Right. Um, so I'll watch uh, uh, Predator, Predator Two. And, See a young uh, Shane Black in there as yeah, well for the Predators. Um, I'll probably watch those three because those are available in 4K. And also, uh, Topher Grace is in Predators. Yeah, God bless <laughs> Topher Grace. Um, and this is the Topher Grace cast. Um, and then I want to watch Halloween as well before uh, the festival, which is just getting... the John Carpenter one. You yes. don't want to go through, you know, H two O or Season of the Witch. Well, or, especially because or... the new Halloween movie that's that's playing Midnight Madness is a direct sequel to the first movie. So yeah. they're kind of not getting rid of it, anything that happens, but an alternate kind of universe. the way that Star like, Trek played with the yeah. the Red Matter and in, in in the J.J. Abrams version. But yeah, yeah, like I I'm I'm totally fine with that because at this point it's like, why not? I mean, they've gone down such a weird tunnel of of of. Uh, plot lines that don't really make any sense and I think they were kind of writing it as they went along especially with 4, 5, and 6 um, that it kind of actually makes sense that they would you know have a direct sequel to the first one but it also is still kind of confusing because the second movie happens the same night but it all takes place in, in a hospital so I'm they're ignoring sure they're, that they yeah, 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 ignoring yeah, that yeah. as well right and the movie it ends when the first movie ends yeah. and then jumps 40 years later and then uh uh to this movie so i, I that's coming out and i'm hoping the itunes 4k version will be done before right. the disc is out because the disc doesn't come out till the 22nd i think of september and but, you can watch uh the first purge and see the poster of halloween in in one right. scene yeah that is <laughs> god bless jason blum as well um but yeah man so that's what i've been watching so um what do you want to go to from here? We can either kind of jump into. I know we wanted to talk about TIFF. There's we saw the Happy Time Murders. Um, we, there's a couple news stories that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, I think the the Bond stuff is. Well, let's is, do that first. I mean, Bond. Bond? Let's, let's do Bond. James Bond. So if people aren't um, kind of following along with what's happening with the with the the Bond movies, is that um, Danny Boyle was hired to do Bond Twenty Five. Daniel Craig coming back. Uh, Barbara Broccoli hired. Danny Boyle with a script by um, uh, John Hodges. Yeah, John who did Hodges. Uh, the Train uh, Spotted movies. Yeah, um, who's worked with Boyle? Um, they kind of threw away this script from um, uh, the two Bond guys. What are they? Purvis. Neil Purvis. And, Purvis and sorry, we're butchering. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Oh, Kevin Durand was that other guy? Yes. Not Kevin Durant, the basketball no, player. No, no, Kevin, Kevin Durand. 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 Um, I hate that I'm blanking on. It's Purvis and Wade. Purvis and that sounds Purvis right. Purvis and 
Wade, I believe, are the two guys' names. Because um, they usually are the guys that yeah. sort of create the template for it, for and then at they'll least bring the Craig in Craig Bond movies. Yeah, and they did some. Before, no, they did some of the too. Pierce Brosnan yeah. ones as well. They'll they'll come in and sort of do the 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 template and the structure of it, and then they'll bring in. They'll do the the James Bond for dummies, and then yeah, the, the, and then someone they, will come in and like Paul Haggis did yeah. a rewrite on Quantum of Solace, yeah. so like things like that. It's so usually the, whoever's directing or maybe another screenwriter comes yeah. in to polish their script to make it more of their own, and, and yeah, like John. Logan so. did Skyfall as yeah. well. So, so Neil yeah. Purvis and Robert Wade. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, um, uh, they threw away their script. And then uh, <laughs> when, Garbage. when Boyle came in and pitched his version and then um, was hired on. And then um, the recent development is that uh, Danny Boyle has left the project due to creative differences. Surprise. Right. Um, which... I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And then today there was an article on The Hollywood Reporter, I believe, that kind of listed um, that the release date of next November, probably not realistic anymore based on that they have to find a new director and that new director might want to probably either – I don't know if they'll use the Hodges script or if they'll go back to the Purvis and Wade script, um, but then they need to find a new director. And right. so that might push out the release date from November of next year. And they're saying to even, 2020. And they're saying even late 2020. So maybe November 2020. And then, and then today there was um, an article. I don't know if you saw this, but with the, the short Edgar list, Wright and yeah. Jean-Marc Vallée as, as front runners. But that's, yeah. but that's strange because we should say that the, the the people that make the decisions on on the Bond franchise and and own the the property are the Broccoli family, um, and they have ultimate say. I mean Daniel Craig to some extent as well. But what's interesting um, about that is you know for the most part the directors of the Bond movies going back to to, to Connery have always been you know editors and and PAs that have eventually moved on to directing yeah yeah so there hasn't been a lot of a tour filmmakers and and sam mendez i guess would be the closest to that with skyfall and 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 a lot of people like martin campbell but martin campbell you know is 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 a journeyman director and a a guy who you know doesn't really uh color outside the lines so to speak and have a, a a stamp or a signature where you know danny boyle definitely did and and that was the thing that kind of surprised me right from the beginning is that okay well Dan Danny Boyle is going to want to make his Bond movie and not what the Broccoli's want so you know with the creative differences thing it's not surprising but then it's surprising no. that they hired him in the, in the first place. place yeah and then the rumor I mean take this with a grain of salt but the rumor was that they were arguing over casting of the villain and he wanted to do a there's very... an actor from uh the upcoming uh movie called cold war that they, that i think danny boyle wanted but daniel craig didn't yeah and supposedly the the boyle script was um like a modern day cold war kind of script with the with the russians and, and things like that but which i they even said in that article that they weren't even happy with the kind of not happy but they were like fine with what he wanted to do because they wanted they i guess craig was too and then so it's interesting that a couple weeks later they're like over a casting choice right like i mean that seems kind of like bullshit i'm sure there was more uh more going oh yeah there's 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 probably stuff we don't even know but i mean initially when when boyle signed on to do it his two stipulations were well i want to finish because he has a musical that he uh shot over the summer with lily james that's coming out next year through uh working title um, and that he wanted to get get that movie done first, and then that John Hodge would be John Hodges would be the writer on uh, this film. Mm-hmm. So those were his two things. He he never really talked about uh, you know director's cut or casting or or what have you. So it seemed to be one of those 
you know, tug of war kind of things where it's like, okay, well, Craig wants to go this way. The Broccoli family wants to go this way. And, you know, Danny Boyle was maybe sensing that it wasn't going to work out. And then the most surprising thing is that the the guys on the sh- new shortlist that also are kind of unique filmmakers that have their own style too. And they're not kind of like, I mean, Edgar Wright and even Jean-Marc Vallée have very distinctive. Um, well, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Jean-Marc uh, Vallée is more experimental than I would say even Danny Boyle is like there's, he doesn't do a lot of blocking and rehearsals. And somebody was talking about the way that he uses natural light in one of the articles I was reading, I think it was for Collider. So it, it's, it, that's an odd choice in itself because again, it shows that maybe they want to go with somebody that has more of a voice, but they're not willing to take that risk entirely which is which is a shame because it's like well you you want to have your cake and eat it too right so uh you know i I mean i would love to see a denny villeneuve bond i think the person that would probably be best for it at this point would be someone like joe wright yeah you've been mentioning that i mean i've always i again i go back i know this is the fanboy thing to say but like chris nolan kind of makes the most sense to me too but i don't think the time is right i think i do a hundred percent believe that that will eventually happen um but i don't think it'll be with the Craig movies I think it would be he's doing his own and I think it would just be a one off yeah and it would just be he picks a bond he makes a bond movie and then they move on to a new bond after yeah, that yeah Tom Hardy is and bond then, yeah, and then, yeah like and then they just go on and make a new one and I think that would be a smart move after the the Craig things and uh, the Craig movies but um yeah, I mean, I, I don't see either of those guys doing it. Um, I mean, and then they went back and said, we just talked about um, Outlaw King and, and David McKenzie, and he was on the old shortlist with Yann Demange. Yeah, who uh, has directed uh, White Boy Rick, which is playing at TIFF as well. Uh, but he's working on the uh, Jordan Peele HBO series right now, Lovecraft Yeah, uh, he Country. moved on to that after he lost out on Bond, right? Yeah. So unless David McKenzie decides that... He wants to do it, and if he was, but he, he seemed like he was the third choice almost. I mean, I'm speculating right now. Yeah, I mean, like, and I think he's probably working on something else, or maybe he had something else right around the time he was developing Outlaw King. So, because I mean, that's the one thing you have to look at. I mean, filmmakers aren't just, you know, solely focused on one project, they have multiple things going on at once so that they can jump from, you know, if something doesn't come together which is a lot of the time because funding or you know the, the actor that they want or the location doesn't work and it falls apart so they have something else to as a backup mm-hmm. so yeah it's fascinating i mean an edgar wright i just i don't i mean i i could see it in the sense of like uh danger diabolique or something like that because mm-hmm. he that's one of his favorite films but yeah i mean again like he has his own unique style and it's very kinetic with the energy and I just that don't see it meshing no. with He'd have you know the Broccoli's version of Bond. I mean even Baby Driver was a toned down I, I guess I could see it based on the the set pieces and the action in um in in that movie as well, but like he still has some of his camera movements and you said his kinetic energy that kind of fuels his movies and his choice of music and yeah. and um it would just it, it would be fascinating to see that i mean if he clashed with marvel on an ant-man movie like yeah him and joe cornish i mean just over the script and the style how do you think that this is gonna work and and again the same thing with jean-marc valet like you know two filmmakers that have a unique style and i would love to see their version of bond but i want to see their version of bond you know not everything has to be art by committee there can be some interesting choices made if they just 
let go of it a little bit mm-hmm. but that's not going to happen so i mean we've seen this tons of times with the star wars franchise a- any big franchise like this this is going to this is bound to happen yeah. but this then... is why i don't think quentin tarantino's star trek movie is ever going to happen to be honest yeah i mean that's a weird one too right yeah i, I mean, mean again he's a huge star trek fan but it's kind of like see that one's weird because of especially with the cast uh with hemsworth and pine seemingly backing out i think that was more to do with financial um, and that can always compensation that can always change um and if they drop out now i mean paramount could find more money to throw at them later but um yeah i don't know because like that almost makes more sense like if they drop out and because there's two they were developing those two scripts right there was one with hemsworth with the the time travel one with his his father and, and and things like that and with kirk's father and then there's the tarantino one um who is going to be scripted by um oh, one of the writers of the revenant yeah and um with, with a story by tarantino and i'm sure he'd polish it up after but yes but would that be his 10th film 10th and final <laughs> movie know. tarantino i don't know man um that's also fascinating but i mean i'm a huge bond fan and um and i I was excited for the boil thing. I, like, I kind of wanted to see what that would look like. Right. Um, but I'm also not surprised that he's he's kind of just bailing out. So uh, I hope they bring in something. Like, I I love I love Skyfall so so much. Um, uh, Spectre not so much. Casino Royale is great as well. Oh, yeah. And I know some people that are that are also saying that they want to bring in Martin Campbell again because he's the guy that kind of, you know. Uh, started the series with uh, Brosnan and, and Goldeneye and then again with Casino Royale with Daniel Craig so maybe he would be the best one to, do, to kind of you know send Craig off as his final film but uh, that kind I of mean, makes sense I guess but, yeah. but it, to bookend it with, with Martin Campbell might be interesting but again I mean I would like to see maybe you know a filmmaker who has an interesting voice or at least collaborators that are worth putting it together because another thing that made Skyfall so great was bringing in Roger Deakins as the oh cinematographer God, yeah. you know and shooting that on digital I mean it looks so gorgeous and different from any other Bond movie that's been previously made mm-hmm. that's great that's really good um the other big piece of news I wanted to talk to you about, which we talked a little bit on your show when I was on last And week. we talked on a streetcar uh, about it the first time when it was did, breaking yeah. Uh, news. Yeah, I forget. What, what did we get out of We can't talk about it. Oh, it's embargoed. Okay. okay, it was one of those. Um, so, yeah, we got out of a screening and we're sitting on the streetcar and I read you a article on either Variety or, or Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter. Reporter of how the Academy um, – is adding a best popular film Oscar um, to and the Academy Awards this year, and I was just very confused. And I made you read the article on the streetcar, and we were sitting in an awkward spot because you were sitting in, in front of me, and there were people sitting beside both of us, I think. Um, and we kind of were just trying to wrap our heads around this, and it, it, it was in the news a, a couple weeks ago, and people were kind of up in arms about it, and um, both actors I saw, directors kind of talking about it. Um, I'm I'm kind of mixed on it, and I know if people can find the clip or, or watch the show, but we talked about it at length on on Cinema Scene, which will be airing soon, I think. It streams or, uh, online when it airs on yeah. television, so, you know, catch, catch it then. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the thing – I'm also – I think I'm more negative on it than anything else just because I feel like that's the one category that really does officially state once and for all that the award season is – a popularity contest like quite literally um 
And I also think it's a little bit disheartening for um, both blockbusters and indie movies and quote-unquote uh, awards films because I think every every film should be competing if it if they want to. I mean, it doesn't. The awards don't change the movie at all. Like, it, you know, the movie is the movie no matter what. Whether you like it, you don't. It doesn't have any sort of added value to it other than marketing and selling. You know, Academy Award for some people for it's validation. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, you've been in the industry for so long. You know, this is this or is even your for time. people if you like a movie. I'm I'm talking from a fan yeah. perspective or an audience perspective. It gets like, people to watch them. And if your favorite movie wins, I think that's like a, I don't know a moment of validation yeah. that like yes I like or I don't know. But Whatever. what does that say in terms of separating you know those categories and and what what is the criteria? We don't even really know what the criteria is yet like you know is it based on how much money it was made for uh budget wise or is it box office you know can an indie film like uh eighth grade compete with black panther why can't black panther be in the best picture category well and i think that's my biggest problem is that they just haven't been very clear on how they're going to structure this category right right and that being said, I, I, even if things are if if films are eligible for the best picture Oscar and the best popular Oscar, um, I'm not going to take credit for this, but I, I mean I've seen people online be like, okay, I get that if they're that's great that they're eligible f- for both, but when's the last time an animated movie or a best documentary or those kind of films that have their own categories won best picture? Well, documentary specifically, and this has, has always been, been a has never been nominated for yeah. best picture, and an animated movie a handful of times. I think you have Beauty and the Beast, Toy Story three, and Up, up. are yep. the only three. In history. Right. So you're telling me that if you give a best popular film Oscar that you're just going to get a bunch of those. Not a, It's not that you even need a bunch of them, but because they have their own category, you're going to automatically split the voting pool of people. There are going to be people who go, well, you know what? We nominated it in that category, so we don't need to nominate it in this category. It's a default. It literally yeah. is like, you know, some uh, you have a, an Oscar voter uh, filling out their ballot, and they'll, they'll say, like, oh, well, yeah, you know, I really like Black Panther, but I already have my uh, 10 uh, Best Picture uh, contenders filled out. Oh, well, I'll just put it in the popular film, because that's what it really is. And well, especially if it's fighting with a couple other movies for those last couple yeah, spots, right? all Disney like, movies. Well, yeah, it's, it's basically a Disney category. <laughs> The Oscars are, are are being aired on ABC, so people are kind of uh, a little bit up in arms in that too. And I'm not one who just wants to get mad for ch- about change for for change sake. Like, right. I like I hate people who just every time there's a change in anything get mad. Like, but I do think some people are, are overreacting a bit. But then I also see what people are 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 saying on a lot of uh, on a right. lot of this stuff too. Because for me. It's uh, not necessarily that they're adding a new category or that they're changing things. It's just that there are some other things that they a weren't clear with this, and there are some other categories they probably should have added before they got to something like, like casting and stunt. uh, stunts. And, uh, yeah, and and, and, and even also voiceover or or um, performance capture or or something like that. Yeah, too, and right? and and on top of that, the other thing that they're changing is they're going to uh, cut down. Um, or, or have the actual uh, craft categories uh, handed out during commercial breaks. And to me, that is another slap in the face to the people, the men and women who spend, 
you know, countless hours and who really and don't ever get any. No, credit this other is than their the one Oscars. moment yeah. in the in the in the sun and and in the spotlight. Because yes, there are credits in movies, but no one stays. And people will joke, well, it's yeah. the bathroom break moment or something like that. But still, it's like I I, I think it, they should have their moment to shine. Yeah. And, and, and we don't know yeah. what categories are going to be regulated for that. But one of the things they came out and said was we're going to have a very tight three-hour show so they're going to record some of the speeches during commercial breaks and then edit them in later so basically edit down speeches and i guess maybe i don't know if that's less disrespectful than in than playing them off when they're on stage or or, or things like that but it's it's just yeah it's it's bizarre i would have rathered uh one a, i don't care how long the oscars are i hate that it goes to like 12 30 in the morning if you start them earlier like have them start in the afternoon or just cut down the eight. monologues like sometimes yeah, like, the the host's opening bit goes on way too long i think kimmel's jimmy kimmel's last two uh appearances as the host like you could you could probably cut like five minutes out of that, or you don't have to keep going back to to them. Some of the bits, yeah. yeah. Like the thing when they went to the movie theater across the street, like just, that ate up time. That's like twenty minutes. Yeah, like just get rid of that. Like, and I get you don't want like a boring show where it's just. I'm not saying, but like speeches can get dry sometimes, right. right? So you don't want just speech, 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 speech. Like you you need some entertainment in there, but. Yeah, it, I don't know how you quote unquote fix the Oscars, but like I have a good time watching them every year usually as long as they are and as as insane as they were a couple years ago and as standard as they were this year. Um yeah, I I, I don't know. Like I'm not against this new category, but I just don't know how they're going to frame it and I do think it will affect uh, voting in other categories and i do think if they do this is it 10 films here and 10 films in best picture um like i just do you go back to five in best picture it should be five, five in best picture and, to begin with or 10 exactly like yeah, that's the other thing with seven or eight, nine yeah because because that's the other thing it's like you vote for the films you love the most based on like the rankings and so the the, the tallies reflect or or what gets nominated reflects the ranking so if you know only eight movies show up in like the top five that's when you get you know seven or eight of them i think that there should either be five or ten exactly mm-hmm. um and i think it should just be best picture because i look at my favorite film of the year and i think it's yours as well is mission impossible fallout mm-hmm. i think that is a best picture contender i think that is a directing and editing uh worthy of those categories as well but because of this category being introduced, it might have a shot at that. It might get Tom Cruise an Oscar for, for Best Popular Film because he's a producer on it as well. Um, but I don't think it's fair to the movie because that movie stands next to some of the best films that have been released this year. I would put it up next to my other favorite movie, which is First Reformed. Yes, they're completely different. Yeah. It's a David Goliath thing. But they're both equally worthy of that honor. I'm 100% with you. And I think uh, some other news that came out today was that, um, or in the last couple of days, is that uh, Disney is putting together a um, a uh, uh, best picture kind of for your consideration for Black Panther. And that was the rumor even before this category came out. But they're like, no, we're pushing for best picture, not just best popular film right. for Black Panther. And that's another film with Mission Impossible Fallout that I think 
deserves to be in the conversation yeah, for best picture and yeah. not just regulated to best popular film and it's unfortunate that with this category i think you're going to get that and it just depends on how you view the entire situation and just because you give people the option that shit's gonna happen where it's just naturally going to kind of go well it's not a real movie it goes over here like just right. like what i make the joke that documentaries aren't real movies it's just like um they are and they're they're great a lot of the times but it's almost like you're like well we have your own category because you're right. not a you're not a like animated movies those are for kids or those but are animated movies stand the best chance overall like if you get another toy story i don't know if the incredibles 2 will be be it, even though it's a good film but if you get another movie like a Toy Story three or an Up or even Beauty and the Beast, it could end up getting into all three categories. Yes, it's the only one that has a chance of doing that. Yeah, um, obviously because it's the only ones that are yeah. animated. But well, documentary two, but documentary has never made the best picture leap. Yeah, and I just don't see that happening though because now I think if you had this category back when Up and Toy Story three were nominated. Um, you, I think that there's no chance someone's going to go, yeah, it deserves all three. I, me and you maybe, but I think the majority of the Academy just won't won't do that. And maybe I'm just being pessimistic or or, or do, you, do you really want something to be in all three categories? You want to spread the love around? Is that how you're going to envision this entire kind of thing? And yeah, I, it's just a shame because, yeah, Mission Impossible – uh, Black Panther deserves to be there, and sure, well, even a Quiet Place. Yeah. I mean, again, is, yeah, where does that fall? Yeah. Like, how are they determining this? Quiet Place not made for that much money, like seventeen million, I think it was. Yeah, and made tons of money. So, are you going based on box office? I'm assuming that's what they're going to do. Like, right. if you make over a hundred million dollars or a hundred and fifty million dollars or something like that, that's when you qualify. But then something like La La Land was an independent or not well i mean it was well it was it, it was still a studio movie but it wasn't it was, like a yeah yeah so, uh, you know what i'm trying to say but like is that in best popular film or is that now best picture so then would it have actually won and then moonlight win or dunkirk um, or the shape of water like jean or get out like genre is the other one now that is like or, or mad max fury road where you know they're just starting to make a, a breakthrough and being accepted as best picture contenders. Elevated horror. Eric. Ele- yes, <laughs> elevated horror. Pardon me, oh, God. You never like again. You never hear people say elevated drama or elevated comedy. Um, but you look at this year, like Hereditary is an, is is another great movie that you know won't get a a, a best popular nomination. Although it did make a twenty four and Elevation Pictures a lot of money. Um, but it still was minuscule compared to what, a, like a well, a quiet place uh, yeah. will also probably take its spot as the genre yeah. movie. Which, yeah, which I love both films. Yeah, but it's just kind of a shame. Like, and then and it's even more ridiculous when you think the whole idea of the best picture category going to ten was because they wanted to include the, some of these. Things. Yeah, because of the Dark Knight specifically yeah. in two thousand and eight. Now they did, you know. District Nine got nominated for Best Picture, and Glorious Bastards has, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, uh, um, not Interstellar. Um, didn't Inception get Inception? Nominated? Yeah, and 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 as I said, Fury Road. But it's like, well, so now you're 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 expanding it even further now. So it's like, okay, we'll just relegate them to this popular category and keep the real movies in the Best Picture category. Whatever those are, and I may I kept making the joke of being like, does that mean the other films are unpopular? Or yeah, like, 
like here are those artsy movies or i'd laugh at the artsy movies get into this popular category yeah because one of them there's always one of those kind of um art house films or even if it could be a studio art house film that makes over a hundred million dollars and then yeah what do you do where would extremely loud and incredibly close factor in if it was around in 2011 we don't talk about that um we just did yeah it's i'm I, I don't know. I just need more details, I think. Yeah. And I, I keep waiting on that. And are, is there a plan for it to be ready for this year's I thought that's Oscars? what it was like that's what was supposed to happen, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I am now hearing maybe twenty twenty, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean again the the rules and, and, and the actual regulations of it and the criteria but doesn't that, are very vague. Isn't that stupid though? Like just to like here's an announcement we don't have any we don't actually know what we're doing yet well they they succeeded right. though in in generating conversation yeah uh, i mean it's it's market i mean this the awards in general are just marketing and mm-hmm. it's done its job in terms of keeping people um invested in having a conversation and aware of the awards because that's what they want they want people to tune in their numbers uh, last year weren't as great as that they were hoping them to to be, and again it's it was too like long. It's still like twenty something million people. I know, but like... it's not. It's not. That's not enough for that kind of show. It's like when we, we when we've talked about you know solo uh, not doing well, but even though it did make its money back, it just didn't make yeah. the kind of money that a Star Wars film should, or like the way that you know a lot of people have said that Ant Man and the Wasp was a huge success, but it made just as much as Solo did with yeah. a similar. I mean, Solo's budget was obviously larger because of the reshoots and stuff, but that was always bizarre to me when when people were going, "Wow, Ant Man, another success for Marvel," and I'm like. It was making the same money as Solo, and like that was such a huge failure. And like, I don't know, it's it's strange. And I uh, I really think that they need to kind of. I mean, they're talking about what is that twenty something million that watched it on cable or on um, like they need to kind of put that put the Oscars everywhere. Let you stream it on YouTube, Twitch. Uh, whatever platform you want, you should be able. To should stay. be a GIF, and it should like, and you shouldn't just relegate it to like ABC should be putting there. Disney, maybe when Disney gets their streaming service, but that might feel even grosser because at least ABC, there's a little distance from Disney. It, it's not right. It's Disney literally or, they've bought their category. Yeah, and it's I, I'm I don't know I'm I, I love the Oscars and I love Oscar season. I mean, we're gonna talk about Tiff in a second. We're we're are we're running a little long already, but it's our first episode. Yeah, so, we're we're getting back know. in the groove. Um, but we're going to talk about TIFF, which is the kickoff of, of Oscar season, at least for us, or, or, or award season. And of the fall and, season in general, because, yeah. you know, we're, we're moving out now of, of, of August and the summer movie season. And it's it's a thing of, you know, what will we be talking about in the next, you know, four to six months? Mm-hmm. This is where it all begins, is that TIFF. It does. So, I mean, let, let's get right into that. And I, we won't go too, too long on this, because I'm sure we'll be talking about TIFF for the next three or four weeks as you mentioned and yeah we'll try and we still need to figure out what we're going to do during the festival when it comes to the podcast i mean uh whether it's just one wrap-up episode maybe we'll do one in the middle of the week we um, are going to be so haggard by the end we of will it. but uh, we'll be seeing so <laughs> many things so we'll be able to kind of give you guys updates on all the the kind of fall movies but um yeah man i just wanted to talk about like a kind of a twiff 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 uh, um a tiff 2018 kind of preview and i mean we've been in tiff mode for the last week or so and i mean we obsess about it and our kind of year 
I feel like ends and begins with Tiff every year. And I mean, at least my year kind of builds up to it. And, and it just my, comes faster and faster yeah, it does as we get older and older. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's my favorite time of the year. And it's uh, my favorite 10 days of the year. I, I think as, as tired as we get and as many movies as we kind of cram, I can't complain. That's the biggest first world problem you could ever have is like, Oh, I had to see six movies today. Right. Um, Although that is a lot to take in, you know, watching that mentally. Drains yeah. You. Yeah. And it, they all start to blend in with each other and i always feel stupid halfway through the festival and it's like oh what what did you like or what have you seen and i'm like uh, man there was that scene in roma when a predator <laughs> comes out of nowhere that yeah. i oh never mind yeah and it just kind of all blends together and it kind of but anyways i, I don't want to talk about that but i want to know uh what you're excited for and i mean we built our schedules the other day and, and you're pre-screening some stuff yep. but like um uh i don't know how you want to tackle this but like what 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 do you think of the lineup this year what are you excited for what's your most anticipated I think it's pretty solid. I, I mean, the more that I, I do it as uh, a con- – I mean, I still love it. I'm not jaded and cynical yet about it. It is a lot of work or it feels like, you know, once it's over, you feel like you've gone through those two weeks. You definitely feel that way. And especially, like, after the two weeks are over, you don't want to go to the movies at yeah. all for almost a month. I usually take off. What's good is you've seen most of the movies yeah. that are coming out in the in, in those three months. But uh, Got to go to night school, though, man. Oh, no. Um, um, yeah, I, so there's – the excitement changes. You know, when I the, – the first time I went to TIFF was back in 2005, and it was for the three burials of Melchiodas Estrada, the Tommy Lee Jones movie. And I remember being so excited about that and, like, having to wear, like, a suit and tie because I thought, like, it was a big deal. Premier, and, yeah. and you've done the same thing. Like, you posted a oh, photo God, of yeah. uh, a, a recently of you wearing – you looked like a sports broadcaster <laughs> so at a screening. Bad. It's so bad. That was um, – I went – yeah, you can find it on my Twitter. Um, but it I posted it – I don't tweet that much anymore, so you might be able to find it. But I went to the opening night party of Score a Hockey Musical and one I of was, the greatest uh, Canadian premieres ever. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I was wearing my uncle's suit jacket and I had glasses on and my hair was spiked up and, and I had acne and I just, uh, not that it was even that long ago, but, um, it feels like it was ages ago and I, I feel like I, I look a little different than that, but yeah, I remember, yeah, going to the opening night party and wearing a, a suit and, and, and things like that. And it's funny how the festival evolves as you go on and, and you kind of realize as you're working as press or industry or, or just doing it for fun. And now I'll show up to some big premiere with, with celebrities and stuff in, in my track pants yeah. and Crocs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically. I mean, a little bit more stylish than that. Usually it's like a backwards hat and a, a t-shirt that I'm probably too sweaty in. Yeah, but, but it's um, much more casual now and 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 I mean it's still it just depends on how you do the festival, right? Once you've been doing it for 13 or or 10 years or 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 things like that, um you just I'm there to watch the movies. I don't really stay for the Q&As anymore. Not No. No offense to the filmmakers or or the people who made the movie, but It's like, more so the audience that don't even ask questions and sort of go on and sort of like, "Oh, we love the movie." Like I remember the one time I don't want to shit talk like uh, well, not every Everybody, though. Like, I actually think to to give TIFF audiences some credit, I do think it is the absolute best way you could possibly watch a movie. I feel like the audiences are mostly respectable. We have other stories where that's not the case. The impossible. Um, watching a movie with the Midnight Madness crowd is awesome. Yes. Um, you Because it's a film festival, you barely get people using their phones or talking because they spent an obscene amount of money probably to watch each one of these movies and it's usually like a big night out for people but that being said um the q and a's usually aren't 
the greatest right. just because the people who seem to muster up the courage to ask the questions um are obviously those people who have no shame because the questions are usually really or they really might bad. be nervous and they yeah. might kind of like stumble a little bit but that, but that's kind of more forgivable than than having somebody go on saying how hug or, or yeah or, or how um, great they are and yeah. and like i like just ask them a question but i also do like that this festival is open to the public mm-hmm. because you get a sense of how the movie might actually play although it's also a little disheartening when you actually see the movie get released theatrically and no one, and no one goes to see it. but it filled a two thousand seat exactly like auditorium at, at tiff which is an experience in itself like if you can see something at the Elgin or the Winter Garden or the Princess of Wales uh, avoid Roy Dobson all. Yeah. Um, it's it's an experience. Although I've heard they're improving Roy Thompson Hall this year with a better screen and sound system, but I'll believe it when right. I see it. But the Shape of Water um, last year was such a magical Elgin, experience yeah. because it part of it was shot at the Elgin. So you know when when you're watching the movie in the theater and seeing it on the screen, there's just something about that that makes it so. Uh, magical i mean it is it is you know an experience onto itself yeah and like i cannot wait this year if hopefully we can get tickets is to watch both um the predator and halloween with the midnight madness crowd and climax with the midnight madness crowd and um if you can stay up and i know the older we get and we keep talking about how old we are and um and things like that but like seeing a uh, a movie at midnight not the easiest thing but no um, especially when you've had a full day of screenings and you're going to again you know have another full day in less than you know 10 hours afterwards right but even the people if that's like their only movie that they're doing that day it's still you're watching a movie from midnight till 2 a.m but the midnight madness crowd is the most fun i've ever had watching a movie like i've seen some like the guest i saw green room green room like some of these experiences all like even disaster artist last year um it it's one of the best experiences you'll ever have going to the movies is watching a movie with a midnight madness crowd so like i'm really thrilled about that lineup this year and shout out to to peter kaplowski uh, for just you know picking up where colin kind of left left off off, yeah colin gettys who used to program midnight madness and peter worked with colin uh, as his associate programmer i think yeah and um now peter is uh, has taken over and he's doing the midnight madness lineup and i it's a nice mix that's what i mean and i was gonna say i'm like uh shout out to peter because I, i really think he's found a good mix of um mainstream big genre movies and those kind of small movies you've never heard of and some kind of art house ones or more niche other, yeah yeah niche stuff that like i love in. that in fabric yes. is playing uh which w- would have been a vanguard movie probably was, i mean we don't know yet like yeah. maybe it's a gory horror movie we have no idea but um but yeah peter strickland who who did uh barbarian sound, sound studio. studio and the duke of burgundy yeah um very weird filmmaker but he has a new film that's literally you made a joke a, a phantom, phantom threat yeah <laughs> it's about a haunted dress and um and it kind of has like a it kind of has like almost like a similar plot like the 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 dress goes down to other people or is handed from one person to another the way that like i don't know if you ever saw the red violin where the red violin is handed to no. you know different people and, and goes through the centuries and it has kind of its own story and history based on each person it's kind of like a to. haunted mask and goosebumps sure yeah absolutely <laughs> which is not playing tiff the haunted halloween no no um but yeah man like that that's a weird one i mean uh, gaspar noise uh, climax um with the lsd spiked sangria um, sangria 
it looks awesome and crazy um so i can't wait to watch that with the midnight crowd so yeah midnight madness is one of my favorite programs and yeah shout out to peter for uh, programming a really really good lineup this year um as pierce handlings last year too we should probably mention yeah his last year as the ceo of tiff um cameron bailey um is going to be co- um ceo or co-head of tiff starting that's effective next year ne- for next year yeah and they haven't announced i think who i think they're going to announce before the festival but a new person is going to come in and work with cameron as the as the head of tiff and um i, lo- I love cameron cameron's awesome one of the like, that man the wears dude, a suit like, like nobody else yeah. and like he just makes us all look like slobs <laughs> he does and i mean even when he's rocking like a t-shirt and jeans i'm like he's so suave i'm like do i look like that when i'm wearing a t-shirt and jeans i no. absolutely do not um, and he loves film like he's always like he started as a film critic yeah, too so like now, it's like right? yeah yeah and 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 you know he was a very uh strong supporter of canadian cinema so you know the man knows uh, what he's talking about it's and not he's just been with the festival for years and um i mean he was the artistic director and um um yeah i always love seeing when cameron comes out to introduce a movie and 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 piers is i mean piers has been with tiff for 30 yeah plus years it's right? it, it's and, gonna be weird next year because i've never not known a festival without piers handling mm-hmm. you know he's been there since i've been going like i remember even born yeah basically. well it, and so it's it's just gonna be i mean i'm sure it'll be great whatever Cameron and whoever works with him do in, in the future is, is going to, you know, have the best interests of the festival. Um, but it's, it's time for a change. And, and this change is going to be something that um, is going to be exciting and, and new. But again, like there's a lot of great stuff um, to see. Another one is, is, you know, we, I, we just mentioned green room is hold the dark. Oh man. Uh, yeah. The Netflix film by uh, Jeremy Saulnier and uh, co-written by uh, Macon Blair. God bless making Blair. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, yes, I am probably one of my most anticipated movies of the festival. I know it comes out on Netflix on the twenty first of. I September. thought it was the fourteenth. No, the, I think it's twenty first. Twenty first, like the week yeah. after. Um, but I I want an opportunity to see that on the big screen, so I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, the lineup I think is is I was saying even during that first uh, drop of the special presentations and the galas, like um, I really think they knocked it out of the park this year. And I mean they do a good job every year. There's yeah. always like a, a really great handful of movies that um, that you want to see, and they always usually have basically a a bunch of movies that get nominated for best picture, and usually the People's Choice winner always goes on to kind of be a front runner for for the best picture oscar um and we saw that with la la land obviously and three billboards and and this year no exception i think the lineup is absolutely fantastic and um is is there one movie that you feel that you you have to see at the festival this year though is there one film that you're like i i need to see this as soon as possible and i think we talk about that every year and that um there has been in the past, which I remember when Black Swan played, I think it was like one of those movies where I'm like, I absolutely have to see that at the festival. Or usually for me, it's, I mean, I like seeing a lot of the big fall movies. So the studio thing, studio films, I, um, I do like to kind of mix in their stuff that doesn't have a release date yet or doesn't have a distributor yet. Um, this year, I think Halloween is that one movie for me because it's the one night only and it's it's weirdly playing Elgin in Winter Garden. The night uh, he came to Toronto. Yeah, and like I mean for people who aren't familiar um Midnight Madness movies always play the Ryerson, but um Peter and Tiff made a decision this year that um 
in order because it's a one night only showing of, of David Gordon Green's Halloween that they're going to put it in the Elgin in the Winter Garden because you get about an extra thousand people that are able to go that night. Um, so I think Halloween's that one that I'm like kind of worried about that like because it's that one night only because if we don't get tickets to that that like we just you're not going to see it. There's right. no press screenings. There's no P&Is. There's it's just you have to go to one of those two screenings that night or else you will not see that movie. And I haven't had I've been pretty lucky and, and blessed in the last couple of years of TIFF where I haven't, I've always seen everything that I've wanted to see. Like the odd time I might miss out on something, but I'm like, oh, I'll see it in a month or something like that. Yeah. And I know Halloween I'll be able to see in, in late October and or mid-October. But I just, I'm like, fuck, I really want to get into that screening. And um, and be a part of the crowd too, because you know that the people that are, are going, a lot of them anyways, are going to be fans. Like mm-hmm. if John Carpenter goes, yeah. it is going to be a ruckus it's because gonna be awesome, yeah. he's going to be treated like some sort of like God or yeah, something rock like that. God. Like yeah. we saw him in concert in November. It was awesome yeah. at, at the Danforth. Um, that, and then for me, um, the other big one, and it's like kind of the special event stuff that they do. They're doing, they're going back to the Cinesphere this year. Um, so they're um, doing First Man in IMAX at the Cinesphere, which I think is very interesting because we have the Chazelle Jenkins kind of combo coming back to TIFF this year with, um, if uh, Beale Street could talk and and First Man, but here's the here's the other question: By the time the festival ends, will there be anybody in Toronto that hasn't seen First Man? Yeah, so that's the other thing um, is that they're doing ten screenings of First Man. I think it's once a day at least, or some days have two screenings. But um, and I think that's because it's mostly playing in the Scotiabank IMAX theater, which obviously has probably a third of what you can fit into the Elgin or the, or Roy Thompson hall. Like, cause it's probably only 500 seats or about when those theaters fit a thousand or 1500. Um, so I think that's why it's playing like once a night at the Scotiabank IMAX because ultimately they can't fit that many people. But um, yeah, I hope I, I mean, it's, it's cool that a big, a movie shot with IMAX cameras um, is getting a, a huge IMAX presence at a, uh, at a film festival. I think that's really cool. So, and yeah, I'm really excited for Beale street. Um, uh, what? Steve McQueen's widows. Oh man. Yeah. Wid- widows is that other one where I think I'm like, I have to see that. Uh, well, especially cause it's his first big studio movie. And you know, like this is based on a, a, a British TV series from the early nineties. And I just want to see what he brings to you know the the heist genre and if anybody i mean i know some people don't like watching trailers and that's great but if you've seen those trailers i mean i cannot believe that cast and viola davis looks like she is just gonna knock it out of the park yeah widows i think is i said halloween earlier but widows i think is my most anticipated out of the the big heavy hitters at the festival this year like i'm interested in first man and bill street and and um God, I see. This is the thing that. Happens. Well, it's like, it's yeah. You think because like this, the the list is so long. I mean, Roma. Roma. Uh, I, I'm excited to see on the big screen because we don't know if that's yeah. going to play here when it comes out. Shot in um, black and white. Maybe it's is it is it has it been confirmed or denied if it's 65 or 70 millimeter? So I wasn't sure if he shot it in 70 or he shot it in a digital format that was close to what 70 would be like um so that that's interesting whenever a film has an interesting format i'm kind of always curious about that like we were talking about vox lux which was shot on 65 or 70 millimeters yeah yeah and it's pretty corbett's uh film starring natalie portman as a singer who 
originally faces a tragedy and sort of becomes a, 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 a figurehead of sorts uh, in the wake of it. And that is also playing uh, Venice, I believe. And, and it's going to be at least one PNI is, is playing uh, uh, the Scotiabank IMAX. So we'll no, see. No, at public, we're oh, going to. Public. Yeah, oh, perfect. No, um, there's no uh, PNIs for that in. Um, in yeah, Vox Lux was shot on 65 millimeter, and then Roma. Um, Matt's just looking this up right now. Yeah, if you can hear me clicking in the background, that's what I'm doing. I think but, one of the um, weirdest ones in terms of like how it will play is uh, Green Book. We keep laughing right. about it because it's Peter Farley who directed it, who's one of the co-directors of the, the you know the famous Farley brother duo. Um, so Roma, uh, just yeah. quickly, was um, digitally, but it's um, from an Airy Alexa sixty-five, so like a sixty-five millimeter digital. Like, so it has equivalent. that that look. Yeah, and that he, he used a prime sixty-five lens and uh, a four K master, and he shot it in six point five K. So um, on the Ari. Um, so yeah, it'll look it'll look spectacular. And sorry, yeah, green. Gr- I keep was gonna say. I keep some green room. Yeah, green same. book um, with Peter Fairley, and then like one half of the Fairley brothers yes. who directed Dumb and Dumber. Dumber two. And, <laughs> oh God, like movie forty three. Yeah, who's making some this... good comedies and some horrible ones. Yeah, but... more recently, not as great, but it's more of a departure for him because it's it looks like it's going to be a traditional. Hollywood drama uh, with two great actors in in the lead role with Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. And we make a joke, but I mean, Adam McKay um, a couple years ago. Um, yeah, with The Big Short. But The Big Short did still have some comedy. Yeah, well, like, the absurdistness yeah. of, of the situation of the housing market and, and what have you. But yeah, I mean, it was like, oh man, the guy who directed Anchorman is now an Academy Award winner. <laughs> so. It's very weird. Uh, Karen Kusama's Destroyer yes. I'm, I'm excited for. I really liked The Invitation, which I think kind of went under the radar for everyone. Um, I think it was just kind of dumped and no one really paid any attention well, it to was, it. Well, it was a Draft House Films movie, and I think it was one of those uh, VOD day and date as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if anybody hasn't seen that, uh, I definitely recommend it. Don't spoil it by seeing the trailer or reading any reviews uh part of the fun of that is the slow burn of it um With not tom hardy yeah and she I, I mean i was like she can be hit or miss as a filmmaker for me especially you know i remember first hearing about the invitation being great but i was skeptical because the last time she did a genre movie was jennifer's body yeah. um but yeah I also I'm, played I'm, Tiff. yeah god <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's going to be exciting to see what she can bring to the gritty cop drama. I mean, that first photo of Nicole Kidman uh, says a lot in terms of just that look. Um, so yeah, I think that, like, that'll be exciting, especially because we really haven't seen anything on it, so we don't know what mm-hmm. we're going to be getting. I think that's the that's the most fun at TIFF 2 is, is when you... Because, I mean, I'm a, a trailer sucker like you are. Yeah, where, like, it's hard I, not to. I... I love movie trailers and I think it's an art in itself and I love watching them and um, I just can't help myself. So it's kind of nice when you see some things at TIFF that don't have any footage or a trailer out. So there's no influence or, or, or any kind of, you know, speculation into what kind of movie it is or Mm -hmm. how you'll feel about it. And, you know, like that's the other thing as well with TIFF, like you can see a film um, that hasn't played at any other festivals yet. You know, that's the great thing about the fall season is that you're getting... You don't have that um, kind of 
uh, you don't read any reviews before no. expectations or yeah. anything going into exactly. it. Exactly. And there but there are other movies that, you know, thanks to uh critical uh championing, you know, something like Burning is mm-hmm. is right on the top of my list of of what I want to see. Um, so there's there's a lot of stuff. Matt, you have your uh, your Tiffer uh, schedule just up to here. Remind me what I'm seeing. Um, Jonah Hill's mid 90s. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's got a little heartburn. I had some dumplings before this. Um, Jonah Hill's mid 90s. I'm very excited for a 24. Um, shot in four by three. Yes, shot in four by three to fit that kind of uh, time period. They're uh, gonna say the A twenty four. Very nostalgic. Uh, motif. I wasn't quite the age that the the lead character is in in this movie. I was a bit younger in the in the mid nineties. But I mean, just seeing a Super Nintendo controller and a PlayStation controller and 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 I didn't. I wasn't a, a, a huge skater, but like I hung out with people who were and things like that. So it's just very nostalgic to me. The whole um the, that whole time period and, and the vibe of that movie. Um, very excited to see that, and it's the only time you'll probably see it with proper masking if you see it at the Ryerson or something. And like that. what was um, announced recently about it? Uh oh my God, yeah, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are doing the score. Yeah, oh my damn God. right. I remember reading that you just left. We were hung. Or we were making our schedules, and and you just left after that. And I read that um, they were just announced to do the score, which is unbelievable. That's awesome. So. Um, I mean, they don't they don't do that many film scores. It's mostly like Fincher, and then the odd time they'll jump. Well, Patriots in Day as well. Yeah, and, they'll yeah. jump in and do. Yeah, Patriots Day was a weird one. Yeah, and um, this is a weird one too because yeah. it's not necessarily. I mean, it's a coming of age story, but it it, it it kind of feels like it has comedic beats in there as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they play with that. And they're also doing the score for uh, Trey Edward Schultz next movie, which will come out next year. Uh, uh, Wave or Waves, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, so. We're gonna probably get to see something else from them, but it, it it'll definitely be interesting to see how that mixes with the style of of you know of a first time filmmaker. And then you have other actors uh, turned directors as well. And you have um, uh, Joel Edgerton's Boy Erased, which is you know uh, a lot of people are saying it's going to be a big Oscar contender about uh, gay conversion camp and you know how brutal and awful that these places are. And uh, again, you have. Uh, Lucas Hedges in in, in both uh, mid nine films. At the yeah, and Ben is back, which is directed by his dad Peter Hedges as well. So he's in three movies. Um, I think that's going to be a big one for Focus Features, or at least they're kind of starting to put together an awards campaign for it. Yeah, man. Um, oh, the the death and life of John F. Donovan. We're actually going to see. Oh God, yeah. Uh, the the film that, don't... that that doesn't exist but does. I still don't believe it's 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 real. It's real, but um... well, to me, like I you've seen the the. The photos that are the mm-hmm. posters that yeah. they they look like um, perfume ads or something like yeah. that. Or well, like I mean, for... he has that kind of look in yeah. his, his film, so I'm curious to see how that's going to translate to English language. Um, very gigantic, huge star cast, and yeah. like, and just all the things we've been hearing about it um, off the record, and just kind of just everything I've heard from people who have know him or just know of this movie and like even him coming out publicly and talking about uh, uh cutting jessica chastain out of the movie and just bff just, jessica and, chastain and he's been kind of working on it for the last two years or so and, yeah and even more so when he shot it before that and uh he's just been tinkering with it and um i i appreciate him because i i really do kind of like that he has a very unique voice and style um but i'm I'm fascinated about this movie, and I, 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 
I hope it's going to be a beautiful train wreck, but like I'm just not quite sure what it's going to be. But yeah, and 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 I agree. I mean, Xavier Dolan's movies. Uh, I I think Lawrence, anyways, Mommy, uh, I killed my mother are films that anybody in this country would be proud to show internationally, yeah. and and he's bringing a new. Um, language to cinema that's not just the stereotypical docu drama that we're known for or score a hockey musical like there's there's actually something being said in these movies and it's done with such a style um but yeah it, it's also a morbid curiosity now just because of all the production problems it's had behind the scenes and the jessica chastain thing is really you know interesting and, and especially because it was apparently part of a subplot more so than anything else. So, yeah. you know, how that changes the narrative will, will be interesting to watch. And um, again, you know, I, I'm hoping for the best because mm-hmm. I do really like his work a lot. And I think that, you know, we're, we're proud. We should be proud to have someone like him representing well, our country. I, I'm I totally agree. Um, I'm just going to rattle off uh, a few more things I'm excited about, and then we can uh, wrap up. And I'm sure we'll talk way more about Tiff next yeah. week and, and the week after. Well, the week after Tiff will be going on. Oh my god. Um. Uh. I'm excited for the Sisters Brothers. Um. Looks awesome. Uh, Old Man and the Gun. Robert Redford's um, last on-screen performance, The Sisters yes. Brothers being Jacques Odiard's first English-language movie. After he won the Palme d'Or for yeah, Deep End, which Deep I thought yeah. Deep End was awesome. Um, same with uh, Old Man and the Gun. I um, David Lowry. David Lowry. Like, A Ghost Story was, I think, my favorite film or one of my top two or three films of last year. It's my favorite movie of somebody um, eating a pie, for sure, of yeah, last year. Um, so... Uh, incredibly excited about that uh, another english language debut claire denise high life um so you have, a lot, of, you have a lot of um big foreign filmmakers that are coming out and making uh, uh english language films with big hollywood stars which i think should be pretty interesting yeah um anything else that i i mean there's t- i have 43 movies on here but we'll talk more next week but anything else you want to talk about before well i think we should also mention what's maybe not playing at the festival that's kind of surprising like there's a couple things um that are playing at venice uh, like suspiria i think is the big one yeah um the remake of the dario argento film from the 1970s it's nearly three hours long Luca Guadagnino. which i think that's the kind of thing that's most surprising of why it's not playing a tip because of call me by your name being such a sensation last year that it feels like any festival would want his follow-up and we don't know the reasoning why but um it's just interesting that it is missing jennifer kent's uh uh, the nightingale uh there's a film with uh, paul giamatti and Catherine ha that is from tamara jenkins who directed um the savages and back in 2007 that is a netflix movie called private lives um there's something else as well that i'm forgetting that's kind of like a big one that's not playing um was it an amazon title oh no it's um the um what's it called the emma stone uh, oh the favorite the yes favorite. Yeah, yeah yeah the uh yorgos lanthimos yes. movie uh, it's not written by him by the way as well oh, yeah um Interesting. And, and speaking of new york uh, at eternity's gate which is the vincent van gogh or vincent van defoe as i like to call it with vincent van uh i was gonna say vincent <laughs> van defoe again uh with willem defoe playing vincent van gogh in in his latter years nice yeah I, yeah I'm, 
again, um, obviously we can't get everything. We should no. We should never be. We, we should uh, never complain. But it's just yeah. interesting to see, like, oh, what movies don't end up yeah, coming there because Roma is playing New York and it's it's a yeah. Centerpiece. Usually a centerpiece doesn't play other festivals because I mean I've only done New York the one time, but even. Um, even from looking at previous years, usually that opening centerpiece and closing are all usually um, exclusives for the New York Film Festival. So that's interesting. Um, we might see Suspiria is playing Venice, but we might also see it maybe be a surprise screening at Fantastic Fest. That that kind of makes sense to me, too. Yeah. Um, Halloween was just announced as their opening night film, which totally makes sense. Um, I don't know. Maybe it makes like I'm surprised it maybe didn't play midnight madness but maybe the two and a half hours right is god like imagine being at the ryerson until three in the morning or something like that and then i just don't think they could possibly um do a midnight film that that that's that long but um but then or they'd have to start earlier because remember with brawl and cell block 99 right which was very long too but i mean there could be plenty of reasons like sometimes it just comes down to the deals maybe venice is like no we want that to be a big like it can't just be everything that plays venice also plays the other festivals because then what the hell is the point of any any north american journalist why would they go to venice just to see things a week earlier right it's just they need something that's probably exclusive to that festival right because sure that's mostly made for um probably european industry and film critics and and people who who live in that area but there are some north american journalists that do go there as well right and um and then telluride's a whole another beast of of that doesn't get announced until i mean i think it's starting this weekend or next weekend yeah and it's only really for film critics yeah, or very rich people. Yes, like, uh... I believe they like to be called affluent. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. but but that's another one. Quickly with with mentioning Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine is uh, the dragged the across concrete. concrete yeah, <laughs> with with Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson. I'm so. curious about that. But that's but... supposed to be really long as well. Two and a half hours. Yeah, I Jeez, think so. What's with all these long movies? I mean, as long as they're good. I mean, if they're good, a, a bad movie can be short, but it can feel longer. And, and, and right, and automatic great... one star bump. Yeah, yeah. ninety <laughs> minutes, even if you're a bad movie. That's why we didn't even get to talking about Happy Time Murders. But like, I I want to end it here because we're already running over an hour and a half, so yeah. we're not actually going to review it. But or let's quickly review it. It's very bad. You can read my review on In the Seats. You can watch your video review on on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene. Yeah. Um, just I, we don't need to really go guys it's late august it's, yeah just I'm, it's not even worth us spending more than that minute we're we're talking about right, right. now i mean again like we mentioned at the beginning of the show we'll find our structure and and i do think we probably will review movies on a weekly basis based on what we've seen yeah um but i mean yeah happy time murders is is surprisingly awful like right. i didn't i thought i mean okay it's gonna be whatever like, it's gonna it's be either... gimmicky it's i mean yeah. the idea of having oh puppets that swear and you know have but then that's sex it that's and... literally it yeah and then it... that joke just beats you into the ground for an hour and a half and then i the i'll leave it just if you want to read my review please go to in the seats.ca and it's on there and and i was just the one thing i want to leave it is that i was surprised that it was offensive, but not in the ways that I thought it was going to be right. offensive. It's not because the violence like, or the cursing. Or the, or the puppet come. No, or but like, it's the metaphor that it uses for immature laughs 
only really like it doesn't explore it in a deep meaningful way yeah basically it's an allegory for for racism in, and segregation in modern day, yeah, in yeah. modern day society and they use puppets for it and then basically it's just melissa mccarthy berating or other people human characters berating these puppets for it's just or the puppet bleaching his skin and, and yeah. things like that like, well that's what makes like, melissa mccarthy's character so detestable is that yeah. She is such a bigoted character right from the get-go that you can never really acclimatize or get used to her. And she's not an Archie Bunker type character either where, you know, it all comes back on her. Like, the movie wants you to care about the relationship she has with her partner. And you just can't get on board with that because she's so awful as a person. Just go watch Team America. (laughs) Or Meet the Feebles, Peter Jackson's, uh, one of his earlier movies, which is very subversive and weird. I don't think it's out on Blu-ray in North America, but the full movie's on YouTube, go figure. Uh, Not that I'm recommending you see it first there, but if you want to get an idea of what it is, watch, watch the trailer, I guess. Um, and I think that's it, man. That's that's the first episode or the first draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I think next week we want to talk a little bit about um, searching. Yes. Um, which we formerly known as search. Yeah. Which um, um, I'm really excited to talk about next week, and then I'm sure we'll dive deeper into some TIFF stuff. And I know there's some news about kind of Star Wars and and Dom- Dominic Monaghan joining um, Episode Nine today, and I'm sure we'll get into all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, this is really fun, dude. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for coming by. I mean, no problem. We, we do this shit regularly, anyway. So we might as record too. it and release it to you yeah, in the whoever, public and for whoever wants to listen. Uh, so that's it, guys. So thank you for listening. This was the first draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Um, you can follow everything at untitledmoviepodcast.com. That links to all of our social channels. We're at untitledcast uh, underscore cast on Twitter, as well as Untitled Movie Cast on Instagram, and then we have a Facebook page and. I've set all this stuff up. Um, it might take us a little while to get everything kind of up and running and on different podcast services. Um, iTunes will be the first place, which is probably where you're listening to this, unless you're listening to it on the site. And then I'll try to get it up on Android services and, and, and things. And then, yeah, let us know. Um, shoot us messages and, and tell us what you want us to talk about if you dug the structure or if we should try and make it a little bit more structured. I, I want to hear from from people who are listening. but. Um, and hopefully we'll get guests on occasionally that's as well. the other thing that we haven't mentioned either that um uh, i think regularly we probably maybe not every week but um maybe once a month or even a couple times a month um having a, a guest from the toronto area come in and, who can and, bring their perspective and knowledge on yeah. the industry and actually have conversations you know that you know are, are also very interesting and, and and not stuff that we just you know blab on about all day right exactly and and uh that's something i'm, I'm really excited about so i Again, if you're listening to this and you um, are in the industry or you're a film critic or, or you just love talking movies, shoot us a message and we'd probably love for you to come down to my, my condo. and, yeah. and It's and air conditioned. Uh, we had to shut it off for the, the recording, so I'm going to blast that right when it's done. But All right, we're getting long-winded, guys, so you can follow me at Matt Rohrbeck on Twitter. Uh, I'm at uh, EM6211 on Twitter, and uh, – uh, you can see my uh, videos, my film reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. And you can find my writing right now at uh, intheseats.ca in various places, but I'll probably tweet out. Uh, You're a man about town, Matt. Uh, we'll see. It's I'm just getting back into things, so I have no idea where my work is even yeah. going to show up. But Return uh, of the Matt. A lot of my TIFF stuff will be on In the Seats, and then you'll see a few different pieces pop up in, in other places. My review of Happy Time Murders is up there that yep. I mentioned. So, uh, Anyways, everyone, uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week to talk searching and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. Probably so. more TIFF. 
Bye. Bye.